And now I'd like to introduce our main speaker for the evening, Jackie from Laguna Niguel. Thank you. Jackie Alcoholic. Okay. Okay, let's see. So I have a sobriety date. First, I want to welcome the newcomers. Um, Thank the girls for driving out here with me. We came from Laguna Niguel, Orange County. It was a good drive. There wasn't a lot of traffic. We had like the meeting before the meeting, and then we'll have this meeting, and then we'll have the meeting on the way home in the car. So it really makes for a long night, and it's really nice. We all um, get to spend that time together. Okay, I have a sobriety date, April 28th of 06. So if I don't drink it in like a week and a half, two weeks, I'll have 11 years. And wow, it's, I can't believe it's going to be 11. It just seems like I just had my 10-year you know, party birthday like a month ago. Time, this year went by so fast. And I love Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, Alcoholics Anonymous, everything I have in my life. Everything that I am is just a direct result of this program. Um, I wanted it. I needed it. I did it. You know, I took direction, and my life changed from the inside out, like before my eyes. Slowly, though. <laughs> Slowly, but it did. And it still does today. It's, it's a journey. I haven't, I haven't reached the destination. I don't want to. It's just an everyday, you know, event. Um, anyway, so... I'm going to just share with you in a general way what it was like, what happened, what it's like now. So, what it was like, okay, you know, I was, uh, I grew up in Garden Grove. My dad was an alcoholic, and I can say he's an alcoholic because he was in and out of AA until he died in 91. My mom was with him until I was 11, and those first 11 years of my life were just horrid, you know. Um, he, my dad was the alcoholic where he was mean, violent. Rarely was he sober. Um, You know, it destroyed that home life. It destroyed our family. You know, um, by the time I was in first grade, I had migraines and ulcers. um, Just for fear, I was so afraid of my dad. I hated him. I hated alcohol. I I still am baffled that I drank because I really just hated my dad so much, and I hated what alcohol did to our family. You know, I um, I think in those alcoholic homes, the kids lose their innocence so young because they hear and see things that they shouldn't hear and see, and things happen to them that shouldn't happen to them that young, so it changes you. That's not why I'm an alcoholic, but it definitely, the fear, the loneliness, um, all those feelings that I had when I was younger, I still have today but I'm better able um, to cope with them because I'm in the program and I do apply the principles of my affairs and I've changed so much. But it's interesting how on a bad day or a day that I'm not spiritually fit, how quickly that old, the old Jackie comes back. And, you know, seriously, if I don't, the things that I do, you know, I go to my, I go to meetings, I have commitments, I sponsor women, I call my sponsor every day, you know, if I'm asked to do something in AA, I do it. I do all these things, and I haven't quite figured out which one of the, what it is that keeps me sober, because it's all of it. So I just continue to do all of it. So today, I do the same things today that I did my first year. This isn't my first sobriety date. It was like my third or fourth, third sobriety date. I relapsed a few times, and um, each time I relapsed, 
you know, the consequences were greater. So I'll get into that. So I had my first drink when I was 14. It's not my first drink, but I guess it was my first drunk. And when I, my sister got married, and I was at the wedding, I was in the wedding, and I remember drinking. At the time, I thought it was odd because I remember drinking with my little friends. I had, like, a little chiffon dress on and my the flowers in my hair. I was 14, and I couldn't stop drinking. And I, I remember thinking it was weird that I just wanted more. And then, of course, I drank until I passed out, cried, got sick, blacked out, and I was 14. And then the second time I drank, I was 16, um, and I drank low-and-brow dark beer. Same thing happened. I drank. I kept. I wanted more. I drank more. I blacked out, got sick, passed out. I was actually in this room, and the lights were out, and I remember I couldn't find the light switch. I couldn't find the door. And so I got sick in the closet and just passed out. And that was at 16, and then I remember the next day, my mom's like, are you hungover? I'm like, no, I'm just sick. And um, she, believed, she believed me, but then I remember my, you know, my solution was, I'm never drinking low and brow dark beer again. <laughs> and, and I drank for a long time, and I never drank low and brow dark again. I, never, I could never drink dark beer. And I had a long career of drinking. So then um, I had all these great ideas. I had goals. I was... I graduated high school. You know, I was the typical drinker in high school. You know, you go to the football games, you get the Bacardi, you put it in the Coke. But I was always the one. I always was controlling my drinking. I didn't know that's what I was doing, but that's what I was doing. Because I knew when I was going to drink, I knew, okay, I was in my head, okay, only drink one. Don't put too much Bacardi in your Coke. And so I'm already, I didn't know it, but I'm I'm already controlling it, and I always got out of hand. I always, it affected me different than my friends. And so I graduated high school, and I'm going to college, going to be a paralegal. You know, I'm working two jobs, and I'm going to school, and I'm drinking, but I'm controlling it. Um, and then I get, in, I'm in this relationship, like the end of my high school years, with this guy, and he drank a lot. I didn't drink. I I was still controlling it, obviously, and he drank a lot. So after high school, you know, we get engaged, and I'm going to get married to him, and I. We had, every time I drank, we got in a fight. We did. We argued. He drank too much, and I thought he was the alcoholic. Come to find out, he's not an alcoholic. He did really well for himself, and I'm the alcoholic. But um, so I break up with him. There's a few things that would happen. We always would fight. Which, bless you. <laughs> and when, when we were at my stepdad's 40th birthday party, and I'm drinking, so I'm always like the life of the party. Look at me. I have fun. I wasn't a mean drunk, but I like to have a lot of fun, and I was really loud, and um, I always had a lot of fun. Him and I always would fight. So we get in a fight. We leave the party. Drives me home, and we're fighting, and we would do the fight where we hit each other while he's driving. I'm hitting him. He's hitting me, and I'm screaming, and I used to throw just as is crazy. So we get to my house, and he opens the door, and like boots me out, and then he backs up and runs me over. And, you know... (laughs) That is just, like, not normal. And he ran, like, my thigh over, and I had, like, the big tire burn mark across my... So, of course, and I love to cause scenes. I was a total scene causer, man. I swear, I was really dramatic. You know, so I call my mom and dad at their friend's house, and I'm screaming and crying, and that Joe ran me over. And, 
you know, I'm not thinking that this is my stepdad's party and it's with his friends and that, you know, I'm being dramatic and I'm ruining their time. But that never crosses my mind. It never did. It was always about me. So my dad, stepdad has to drive home and get me and he drives, he comes home and my mom called. I guess he was supposed to call my mom back at the party when he got home to make sure I was okay. And he, he grabs the phone. He's talking to my mom. Well, yep, he ran her over all right, you know. <laughs> so, I mean, that's what I always did. I always caused a scene. And I, when I think back, it's so embarrassing because I didn't really care. I just thought, you know, I should be really embarrassed, but I wasn't. Anyways. So then the last fight the guy and I had, we had moved to Palm Springs together and I broke up with him and we went out to this, we were in a wedding and we're coming back from the wedding and one more fight and we're driving up the street and we're like kicking and hitting each other as we're driving and he just takes my head, bam, bam, into the window and I did finally break up with him because he was, he drank too much and you know, it never dawned on me, I, I knew I was controlling my drinking but at the time I didn't didn't kind of put it together. I just thought he was the alcoholic. So I broke up with him, and I moved back home. And I'm in school. I'm working two jobs. And I'm really serious about what I want in my life. I really want a lot. And um, so I meet this other guy. And actually, it was like I broke up with one, and I met another. And he drank like I did, but we did not fight. We got along really well. And so this, I'm like, this guy was going to UCI. He was working full time. He was, yeah, yeah. He's working full time and he's going to school full time. And, but we can party and it was really, it was great. And, but then we started, he was also dealing drugs. Um, I mean, I'm an alcoholic, but so he was dealing drugs. And then, so I did drugs off and on, but I'm an alcoholic. I, I just did drugs so I can drink, so I didn't have blackouts. Is so what happened? So then, um, so okay. So I'm in school. I'm st- I'm working these jobs, and I we you know I have these ideas. I want to buy a condo. I want to be an attorney, and so I'm doing all these things. I'm in school. I get a job in a law firm, and I'm going. I'm going to school to be a paralegal. I bought the condo, and my life, my goals. I mean, it was all going great. And then I ended up marrying this guy. Um, you know, we lived together for a few years. And, you know, when I turned 25, I did that um, where I drank all night. I was doing drugs. I couldn't go to work. And, you know, I, I mean, my life was really, like, just, I mean, I was on the path. It was really everything I wanted. And I remember the next morning on my birthday, we had partied the night before. And I remember thinking, I didn't go to I couldn't go to work. And, I'm th- and I remember thinking, um, my sister showed up at my house that morning. So it was my birthday, 25. My sister was 29. She's four years older than me. She had two kids. She would get up in the morning. She worked, she was an um, assistant of vice, she worked at a bank. She had a real high position in a bank. She had two kids. She would get up in the morning and go to put, put the kids into daycare. She would work all day, come home, make dinner. Um, do the Cub Scouts with my nephew. And I remember I was always so baffled how she could do this. And that morning, on my 25th birthday, I remember I was still drinking. I was hungover, and I couldn't go to work. And she showed up at my house to bring me um, some cookies for my birthday and a card. And I remember when she showed up, I'm just like, oh. It was like, I was just like looking at her like, how does she do this? And she's like, well, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I said, oh, I need to go buy some Nolans for work. 
but I was really, I just was going to leave because I didn't know what to do because I wasn't, I, I just couldn't stop drinking. And I, that was on my 25th birthday. And I didn't get sober till I was 40. So I had 15 more years that I drank like that. And it only progressed. So at 25, I want to kill myself. My big thing is I can't stop drinking. I want to stop drinking. I'm just going to kill myself. So I had so many years, so many times of, God, please don't let me drink again. And then I would, so I get married. I'm going to get married to this guy. You know, planning a wedding should be like, for a woman, it's one of the greatest things as women, the women in here. You know, getting married, if you've been married, it's, it's the highlight, planning that wedding. And, you know, I planned that wedding, like, um, everything revolved around my drinking, I could not stop drinking. Thursdays would come, Fridays would come, I would drink Fridays. I'd get up, I, Saturdays was, I was always hungover or I was still drinking. I mean, in those 15 years that I was drinking, I swear maybe a handful of times I woke up Saturday morning where I wasn't hungover or still drinking. Rarely. So needless to say, when I planned that wedding, it all revolved around the alcohol. And I remember thinking the couple days before we got married, the rehearsal dinner was two days before because you can't have it the day before because... We're drinking all night, so you can't really have a you know rehearsal dinner and drink all night and then get married because you won't look that great. So everything really revolved around our drinking. So we did that. I remember going to get. I remember the day before we were getting married that morning, and I'm just like, "What am I doing? This is going to be my life. We can't. I can't stop drinking. I'm I'm kind of living a double life. Some people don't know it because I can hide it still for, from some family members." But the friends, you know, people know, and it was a lot of work. I ended up marrying the guy. I married him. And, you know, our life, like I said, every weekend we drank and we did drugs. We, he made a lot of money, so that afforded me the lifestyle because of the money. And, you know, we would go out. I always would black out if I wasn't doing drugs. One night, we're out with some friends, and we're doing karaoke. And I'm, I, lo- I was like the genie blackout. I'd be doing this, then bing, and then I, oh, how'd I get here? And so, you know, one night, we're, I'm up there doing a karaoke, and, like, all of a sudden, the next thing I know, it's the next morning, and I had gotten sick all over the room. And I'm like, and then I'm always afraid to ask what happened. So I try to ignore him, or, you know, I didn't want to ask any questions. I didn't really want to know because I know. But, of course, he's like, oh, yeah, Jackie, you got drunk again, and you, you're up there singing, and you couldn't sing anymore, and, oh, God, it was, I would embarrass my husband all the time. And then what would happen is um, we had this wine bar, the wine storage, and we had this wrought iron door on it, and I would drink, and I couldn't stop drinking. By this time, you know, I'm drinking, and once I drink, I don't know if I'm going to drink for, like, that night or I'm going to drink for a week. And I did that for the last, like, five or five years, six years that I drank. So it would happen. I'm hiding al- alcohol all over the house. What time do I stop? Okay. Okay. So by this time, you know, I'm, I'm hiding alcohol all over. Okay. So, and he would put, my husband would lock the wine bar. He would take a a padlock and lock it. He would take me off the credit cards. He'd take me off the debit card. He'd take me off the bank accounts. But I was pretty resourceful. You know how we are. So I always made sure I had it hidden. And then he's finding my alcohol, so I have to find new places, and I'd have to hide money. Um, And then I would get sober, and I would sober up, and then I would be, you know, 
get my shit, my stuff together. And I'm like, okay, I'm doing okay. So he would like take the lock off. He would put me back on the accounts. He'd put me back on the credit cards and I'd be good for a few days, maybe a week. I never went longer than a week because when Friday came, we drank. And um, so that, God, that happened over and over. We tried everything under the sun. When I read that chapter, you know, uh, controlling drinking and what we did. We did so many things, and I didn't even know that's what we were doing. We tried, like, golfing Friday nights. Okay, if we golf Friday night, we're not going to drink. Because once we started, I wasn't going to stop. So we, we tried golfing Friday nights. And then you found out, you know, you can drink when you golf. So <laughs> we're just like, well, shit, this isn't going to work. <laughs> you could call them the dealer from the golf course. Anyway, we tried, like, karate Saturday mornings. We tried windsurfing Saturday mornings. We tried Bible study. We tried so many things controlling it. He'd be like, okay, we're going to go out, and you're going to stop at midnight. You're only going to drink beer. You know champagne for you, because champagne and wine went right to my head. And, you know, it, we never, it never worked. It just really never worked. We can't, I could not stop drinking. You know, and all through this, I, um, one time I did the same thing. And I would always try to cause a fight, because if I would fight with him, he'd get mad at me, and he would leave. And then I would, thank God, you know, then I would be able to drink. Or I started, like, he'd be in the house somewhere, and I would, like, leave and get money. I'd leave. I'd go to the store. I'd get a lot of alcohol, and I'd go to a hotel. Because he was, I mean, it's like he would get in the way of my drinking. And then I'd feel like I was hiding it from him, and it just... So I'd go to a hotel, and I just remember I'd just go in that hotel with all my alcohol. I'm like, finally, you know, don't have to worry about him getting on my nerves. And I would drink. And I don't know, I'd stay there for a day, two days, and he'd find me. Then I'd go back home. Same thing happened. You know, a couple times I tried to, like, an outpatient through insurance. I tried, um, went to counseling all the time. I saw a psychiatrist. I saw a count- or psychologist constantly because I was depressed. And then I'm drinking, you know, I did a lot of drinking over what happened when I was a kid. So, of course, and then, of course, when I would go see a counselor or a psychologist or a psychiatrist, I didn't really tell them what I was doing. I would I kind of leave out how I was drinking. And um, one time, I remember one gal, I was seeing her for quite a while, and I didn't tell her how much I was drinking, but I'd bring it up. And she's like, oh, no, 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 you're not an alcoholic. You just had a lot going on, so that's what's wrong with you. And I mean, I swear, I, I went with that for the longest time because she co-signed my, that I'm not an alcoholic. So what happened is, you know, about, I was married a couple of years, we tried, and then we're going to try to have a baby. We couldn't have kids, thank God, because um, we tried to have kids, we couldn't have kids. And at this point, we did the, I did that alcoholic dance for so long, the same thing. Friday night, I'm not going to drink. I drink Friday night. Then I drink through the weekend. Then I drink for a week. I get fired from jobs. You know, my ex, you know, we, he's my ex-husband now. Anyway, so what happened was we can't get pregnant. And I'm drinking over that now. Uh, I drank over anything. I, things were happy. I was, when I'm in school, I'm, things, good things would happen. I love to drink when good things happen. But then if something was going on the next day, I never would show up. If I told you I was going to be there, I usually didn't show up. So I had all that guilt. I never would show up. My family, everyone's wondering what's wrong with me. You know, they're coming and checking on me. And my husband would go away for the weekend and I would just drink. I mean, I would drink. I'd be crawling out of my skin. It got to the point where when I'd get up in the morning, 
I would go to drink, but I have to drink over the kitchen sink because I couldn't keep it down. So I would drink, and then I'd be. I would take me a while to keep it down. And I remember there was the reflection, you know, in the window. And I remember a few times that one of the last, just looking like, "What are you doing?" Because you know, I don't know if you. I mean, we're all in a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous, so I'm sure some of you, some of you can identify with that, where I just couldn't keep it down. I would get sick, I'd get sick, and then all of a sudden, okay. I mean, and, you know, then I'd be going again. Um, So then I couldn't have kids, and then our bright idea was we're going to go to see a fertility doctor. And that's how I'm drinking. And I'm going to go, I'm at a fertility doctor paying money to have a baby, but I'm not telling anyone what I'm doing a lot of because now I'm really going to hide it because everyone's feeling sorry for me because I can't have kids. So I'm paying this money to have kids. I'm drinking. I'm trying to control it. And my head is like screaming, what the hell are you doing? You are drinking and using drugs and you're paying this money to have kids. And I mean, it was so crazy. And we did that off and on for like four years, five years. I never did get pregnant. And by the end, um, what ended up happening is after all of that, um, I ended up getting pregnant. Just, I just got pregnant. And for some reason, I was able to not drink when I was pregnant, when I found out. I mean, I drank up until I found out. So up until that point, I stopped drinking. and It was like a miracle because, I mean, I'm crawling out of my skin and I need to drink. And for some reason, I didn't drink those seven months or whatever that were left. So when the kid, my baby, my son was born, it would hit, you know, I'm thinking, because now I'm not pregnant anymore, and I waited a few months, and now, of course, we're talking about it. My husband's like, well, you know, you didn't drink when you were pregnant, so you're, you're not an alcoholic. If you were an alcoholic, I mean, I remember having this conversation. He's like, if you were an alcoholic, you wouldn't be able to stop drinking when you're pregnant, Jackie, so you're not an alcoholic. And I remember telling, saying, okay, yeah, you're right. But in my head, I'm thinking, do I want to chance it? Because I don't know. So, of course, you know what happened. My son was like three months old, and I started drinking, and I remember having one beer. I'm like, oh, I'm like, okay, I can do this. And then another time, I had like one glass of wine, but I remember thinking I wanted more, but I didn't. And by the time my son was six months old, I was worse than before I got pregnant. By this, by the time he's six months old, I was way back doing exactly what I was doing. I'm hiding the alcohol all over. He's catching me. I'm, I can't stop drinking. At this point, I could not stop drinking. And we moved. We moved into this big old house in San Juan. We had all. I had everything. I had the husband. I had the kid, the son that I, a child that I wanted for 14 years. I mean, I was stay-at-home mom. I mean, I had everything. The money. And I'm in that house hiding alcohol, and I cannot stop drinking. I'm crawling out of my skin, and I'm panicking because I don't know what to do. And by around this, and then what happened was when he was six, seven months old, I got pregnant again. And so I remember the first thing I thought of was, "Oh God, I don't have to drink." And we had, so I didn't drink for the rest of that pregnancy. And a friend of mine I had been friends with since, gosh, we drank together. Her husband, I was in their wedding; she was in my wedding. And she was a really bad alcoholic, so I hadn't seen her for like five years. And we kind of, she got sober and looked me up and to make an amends to me. So we be, she was back in my life. And that's hence why I made it to AA. So she, um, 
Yeah, it's amazing. So um, I got pregnant the second time. And we had some problems with that pregnancy, not because of my drinking. I didn't drink, so I was on bed rest, and my son was born two months early. So we like we had a full time nanny. My my older son just turned one, and he was at home, and I was the I was such a bitch. I was so mean. I was like entitled. I was brazen. I was emotional. Everyone had to help me because I had to be on strict bed rest, and I was so mean to everybody. Between my mom, my mother-in-law, my sister, my sister-in-law, I couldn't do anything. So I'm in and out of the hospital, and I want to be a mom to this one child. I'm pregnant with this other child, and I'm an alcoholic with no program, and I'm not drinking. So what happens is, you know, my son was born at seven months. He was in NICU for a month. So when he came home, within four days... He came home like on a Monday, and that Friday I started drinking. So by the time my kids were three months and 17 months, I was like completely um, worse than I'd ever been. Now, I, don't even, I can't even fathom being worse than I already was, but I could not stop drinking again. And this time we have a nanny that's helping us, and I'm drinking. I'm hiding, now I'm hiding alcohol from my husband and her, the nanny. Just this young little girl, too. She was like 19 or 20. She's watching over me. She's calling my husband, saying that Miss Jackie's drinking again, and she would take my alcohol. She'd pour it down the sink. Then I'd yell at her. <laughs> I would yell at her, and she's taking care of my kids. And I, because God forbid, I could not take care of my kids. I was so, I just couldn't get more alcohol. My skin would crawl. It, it was. I, I, bring, I can think. I just can bring back the feeling. And I remember looking around this house with these kids and the nanny taking care of my kids, and I'm drinking. I've got under the clo- I'm under the closet. I mean, in the closet that's under the stairs, I'm in there hiding, drinking. I'm upstairs. I'm everywhere drinking. I have it all hidden all over. And then one day, she calls when the kids were like three months and 17 months. My sister-in-law was pregnant at the same time, and her baby, she, the baby passed away. And so I couldn't stop drinking. I had my kids, and she had her baby had died. And she had to go through the, she had to go through labor and deliver this child. And I remember that I was felt so, I was so I felt so guilty because I had my son. We were pregnant together. I had my son, and I'm drinking. I can't stop drinking. I don't even know what to do with the kids because I'm drinking. And some nanny's taking care of my kids, and then my sister-in-law lost the baby. And from July 10th to July 22nd of 04. I didn't stop drinking that whole time. And I would drink, pass out, get up and drink, pass out. And one more time, you know, I wanted to just, I wanted to die. And I didn't know, I knew it was coming to the end that I thought I was going to have to kill myself, really, for real this time. And I um, ended up one more time leaving the house. So what happened was a nanny calls my husband and says, you need to get home. She's really bad today. And I just left. You can't leave her alone. I didn't know this happened. So I was downstairs cooking, and I left the stove on, and I went upstairs, and um, I got sick all over the, bas- the bassinet. My son's three months old. He's in the ba- I got sick all over him, all over the room. Me and the one-year-old, I'd passed out, and he went to sleep with me. So my husband came home to, the house was smoking because I left the stove on, and then he walked into the room with his two beautiful kids and his drunk wife that threw up all over all of them. And... Um, 
you know, I, I kind of was in and out of a blackout right before I passed out. And the last thing I remember is my little one-year-old looking at me just in that horror and started crying, and I passed out. And then my husband came home, and the next day, I just knew what I did, but I was in that blackout. I just kept getting snippets of what happened. That the, she, the nanny left. I was upstairs with the kids. I don't even remember cooking. I didn't even remember. That part was a complete blackout. And um, so the next day, I remember getting up, and I was so humiliated, and I was so em- I didn't, I was again, I had to drink though. I was getting up in the middle of the night, walking, sneaking past the bassinet and drinking. And so the next day I get up and I left and I went to the grocery store. I got a bunch of alcohol and I went to a, this is the last time I did this and I went to a hotel. And I remember I'm in this hotel, like I've got these kids at home that I've wanted forever. My husband's there. I have everything. And I'm in this hotel room with alcohol, like asking God, okay, I'm, don't know what to do and I was fully ready to die and give all that up because I couldn't my my skin was crawling so bad that um, I'd rather be dead and my husband found me one more time he did the same thing he drived all the different hotels until I found my car he did it again he found me but this time when it came to the door he had said he called my friend Trish that we became friends with again. That she had four years of sobriety. So he's called Trisha. She said you can, you can. She can help you. That you don't ever have to drink, Jackie. That and uh, something happened in me that moment, and I believed him. And so I called my girlfriend. And the next day I went to her house. She read me something out of the big book. I forget. I don't even know what it was. But I remember sitting there and she's reading something out of the big book. And um, I just started going to meetings. So my first sobriety date was July twenty third of '04. And so I did that, and I was, like, on this pink cloud. I was going to meetings every day, and, you know, I had the kids. I had the house. I had the husband. I was just, like, about – I got my new minivan. I mean, I was just, like uh, – I was so happy. It was, like, my life, finally everything I always wanted. And then um, about nine months into that, my husband looked <laughs> – he was having, like, a little – there was something going on with him. So when I was about nine months sober – I remember, because I was always a designated driver, because him and my friends always, you know, now that I didn't drink. So I stopped doing that, and he was in the backyard one day, and he's just like, we had this big, this like um, horseshoe thing up up in the hill, and he's standing up there like having this breakdown. This is not what I wanted. I never wanted kids, and I don't want a sober wife. You're boring. I want someone that drinks, and I remember just like, Oh my God! Oh, the image of him, and I remember just right at that moment, it's just like the bam. I, my whole life just came crashing down. Found out he had a girlfriend, and then when I had 17 months of sobriety, he um, even before that, right before I took my first year, he left. He came back, and now mind you, I'm going to meetings. I have a sponsor. I'm working steps. I couldn't tell you what I did. I remember calling my sponsor, going to meetings, but it was I was still married and living that life. And once he left for the last time, I, I told him, if you stay out all night one more time, I'm going to pack your bags. And, I mean, he did it on purpose. So, so one more time, he didn't come home. So I had his bags packed, and he came home in this taxi at like 5 in the morning, walks up to the door, grabs his stuff, gets back in the taxi and left, and that was it. He was done. Him and his girlfriend, you know, rode off into the crazy sunset. But I went out of my mind. I was not taking direction from my sponsor. 
they were trying to help me to go to the meetings and you know, really work the program, apply the principles, don't worry about his, worry about your side of the street, take care of the kids. You, she kept saying, you have everything you want, you, you have it. But no, but you don't understand. I was so out of my mind. I couldn't stop talking. I couldn't stop telling everybody what, was, what he did to me. I couldn't stop. And so um, I relapsed. I had 17 months of sobriety, and I was up in Oregon with my parents. My girlfriend called and said, oh, yeah, your, Jim went to the Christmas party with his new girlfriend. And so I went into, like, this brownout thing. I remember at my parents' house, and I was just going through the kitchen trying to find I found this bottle of wine. I opened it, and I drank the whole bottle of wine. And then I took some, um, some pills, and so 10 minutes, okay. So I, um, and then I didn't tell anybody for a while. My mom kept telling me um, to tell Trish, to tell everybody, but I didn't tell anybody. I came home from that, and I was keeping that secret. I was going to meetings, and um, I was just dying inside. And then I drank again. I told my girlfriend what happened. She was my sponsor at the time. And I told everybody what happened. And everyone knew I was crazy. I was just like, if you came near me, everyone just like backed away. Like, whole. Because I would just be like, you know what he's doing to me? He has a girlfriend. And da, 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 da. I mean, I couldn't. I mean, even if he slapped me, I don't think I came out of it. I just went right back into, like, what was going on with me. And so I relapsed again. The last time I relapsed, um, I drank. And then within 24 hours, my husband, he was bringing the kids back to me. They were two and three. And he came to the door. And um, I'm in a blackout, in and out of a blackout. And I opened the door, well, he, I kind of come out of a blackout, and he's in the house. And then I come out of another blackout, and I, like, hit his phone out of his hand. And then another blackout, and the police were there. And then another blackout, like, snip it, and then I'm on the porch in handcuffs, and I went to jail. I guess I grabbed his arms and ran the cops, so I got thrown in jail for domestic violence. And um, when I was in jail, I didn't call anybody for a few days. And I really just wanted to get out. I just knew I was done. I'm like, you know what? I'm so, I can't fight anymore. I can't fight him. And I'm just going to go home. And I'm going to, because the last thing I saw when I was, right before they, when they put me in handcuffs, was the, my kids in their car seats in the back of their dad's car driving away. And that was like the last thing I saw as I'm going into jail, you know, getting taken away in the police car. So I knew I had a long, long haul ahead of me, and I didn't want to do it. I just wanted to drink and die, and I was done. Something happened on day three. I was in jail, and um, now, mind you, I'm just thinking, I'm done. I'm going to get out of here. I don't want to fight him anymore. I'm laying on the cot in this. It's my spiritual experience. I really don't know what it was, but it was my voice, but it wasn't really me. And laying there, something came over me, and it just was like, okay, Jackie, you know, you don't ever have to drink again, and you're going to do whatever it takes to get those kids. You have always wanted kids, and you're going to do whatever it is. And, it's, and then the voice said, and it's going to be a long, hard road, but you're going to do whatever it takes. And I'm going to tell you from that moment until this moment, that's been my experience. That's been my, the case in my experience, and that's what's happened. I haven't had a drink. I haven't wanted to drink, and I've done anything and everything I can. So what happened was I spent like six days in jail. I got out of jail. I asked my sponsor. She was Julie St. Jay. She um, from Pacific Group, and I asked her if she would still keep me as a sponsee because I wasn't really doing anything she had told me. <laughs> and so she's like, yeah, but you have to do everything I suggest. And so she said, 
I wasn't allowed to have my phone. They put me in a 30-day lockdown because they didn't know what to do with me. My brother did. They didn't, they didn't know what I would they, they really thought I would go kill myself. So I went to Cornerstone, 30-day lockdown. So Julie said, no phone. You're not allowed to call anyone. And for your first year, you have to go to the meeting every night. You have to get um, commitments. And then I had two domestic violence classes I had to take. I had to do Caltrans, all the stuff for the court. And then my, I had restraining orders. My husband went to court and got a restraining order for him and the kids. So I didn't get to see my kids for a month. Then once I went through all the process, I got to see them two hours a week, monitor visits. And um, now that's not, I mean, for me, that's too much. It's too emotional. That's too much for me. I cannot do any of that. But I don't know, something happened that day in jail where it's, that voice said, you're going to do whatever it takes. And, you know, I did. I wasn't allowed to talk to anyone on the phone. I'd spend hours, days on the phone calling every person I knew, letting them know what Jim did to me. And, let, and everybody would get on board with me, and yeah, yeah. And then I was like so high, strong, crazy. And emo- I was so out of my mind. So I was not allowed to talk to anyone but her and one other person. So I had my family law attorney that was doing my divorce, and then I had a new attorney, my criminal attorney. And he became my friend, so I was allowed to call two people. So my sponsor and I picked him. So those two, I got to call. I was allowed to tell anybody else. And, you know, I guess I could have, but I really wanted to get sober, and I really wanted to change, and I really, really, really wanted to feel better. And so I did what she suggested. And, you know, I'm going to tell you, after I got out of that 30 days, I, it was, I was like felt a little more at peace because my shoulders were down a little because I wasn't talking to everybody, and I wasn't living in my drama, and it's always about me, me, what's going on with me, and so I was like, oh, and so after, that was the best suggestion that I took, I applied, and it worked, and so I spent, so when I did that, so I got out of that in 30 days, I went home, I had to sell the house, I didn't know what to do, so I would get up in the morning and make my bed, I'd call my sponsor, and I'm on you, I don't have my kids, I'm not working, I'm too crazy to work. And so I would call her, and she would give me a list of things to do. Okay, Jackie, order boxes. Okay, I can do that. So I order boxes. So then the next day, and then I would go to a meeting. And then the next day, be like, okay, Jackie, pack the, the um, office today. Okay, I can do that. Okay. Okay, now Saturday we're going to have a garage sale. Get it ready. And she would literally spoon-fed me. Every day I did exactly what she said. I went to a meeting every night. Monday nights, I went to the Seal Beach speaker meeting. Tuesday nights, I did domestic violence. Wednesday night, I went up to the Pacific Group in Brentwood. Thursday night, Newport Club. Friday night, Corona Del Mar. Saturday night, the Canyon Club in Laguna. And Sunday night, the Newport Club. I did that for a year. And then after the year, I did get my kids back 50-50. And I also had to go see Dr. Saltani every week. We had a 730 evaluator that was watching me. I had a psycho- you know, the psychologist that was watching me. The judge was watching me. Everybody had to have court card. I mean, it was just like, but you know, I did it. I've never finished really anything in my life. I did two 52-week domestic violence classes in 52 weeks. I did the Caltrans. I paid my fines. When I had to show up two hours for my son, I showed up. I wanted to kill my husband. I wanted to scream at him, kick him, but I didn't. I would show up, I'd keep my mouth shut, I would be with my kids, and I'd focus on them. I, I, I mean, I took direction, and then I did all that for a year. I started sponsoring someone when I um, had 10 months of sobriety. My brother had a gal that started working for him that was 
that needed help. And I'd met her going and visiting my brother, and she, I started sponsoring her, so she started going to meetings with me, and she just took 10 years March 1st. And we, we went, she went to all the meetings with me, and I had a group of people that I went to all my meetings with. And then after I got custody of my kids, I mean, I didn't have my kids really overnight for a year. I got them two hours a week for months. Then I got them, like, two days during the day for a long time, and then three days. I mean, I, it, was, it was really hard watching my husband and his girlfriend drop my kids off to me when I have monitor visits. And um, he kept the restraining order for three years because he loved to hold it over my head. I never went and spied on him. I never did anything crazy. I was afraid of the restraining order. And finally, when I had like two and a half years, I finally took him to court and um, asked the judge to take the restraining order off, and he did. And it was like, at that moment, it was like I finally gained a little, the self-respect, and I felt a little more empowered because he had everything, you know, I was under the courts and his control. And, you know, my life, everything I went through is uh, really made me who I am today. It's, you know, I didn't get some things back. Some of the things that I lost, I didn't get back. But, you know, I got so much more back um, than I had before. I have, on the outside, I don't have much on the outside. All that was lost. But I have everything on the inside that I, never, that I didn't have before. You know, I sponsor a bunch of women, and some of them are here, and I, they, they help me more than I help them. My life, my boys now are 13 and 14, teenagers. Oh, you know, but they're, they're great kids. They have never seen me drink. They've never seen me drunk. Well, they don't remember. Um, they think I'm, well, they think, well, now they don't think I'm that great. But, I mean, they, they think I'm a great mom, but they don't really want to hang out with me anymore. That's like a real bummer. <laughs> but you know what? I think I'm a great mom. Uh, and my ex-husband and I, we get along great. We just, the, we're great parents. I can't even believe it. From every, everything that we went through, all the times I still want to like, look what you did to me. Ah! You know, I, I, after a couple of years, I did learn to keep my mouth shut with him because I would always tell him how I felt. But once I stopped doing that, things settled down and we get along really well. My kids are doing great. My kids are going to, um, they're in 7th and 8th grade. My older son just got back from the Washington, D.C. last night. He went to, on his 8th grade field trip, and I got to go pick him up last night at midnight at the airport with some of the other kids. And I'm thinking, it's funny, because I'm thinking, God, if I was drinking, I would have never made it. <laughs> Serious. You know, and here's one of the greatest things. I'll end with this, which to me, it's a big thing. All these years, you know, I have... Um, got my kids up for school, made them breakfast, made their lunches. I've got them to school on time. The days I'm supposed to pick them up, I'm there. I pick them up. I get them to all their sports. They're going to they're they're test for their black belts on May 19th and 20th in Taekwondo. We've got them to all that. I would have, I could have missed all of it. I could have missed it, you know. If you're new, stick around. Find somebody that you'll take direction from, you know, and it's an inside job. If you don't have anything on the outside, it's okay because it's all, it's all on the inside. And um, thanks for letting me come out tonight. I appreciate it.